Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Children, written by Weirdo5255. Coding up on the ground, I focused on moving my plates into the defensive positions. It was hard though, they hadn't fully hardened from my last malt, though normally solid chitin was weak and malleable, and wet like paper, unwilling to move into place. Hunkering close to the, to the ground, I let out a low keen of distress. The queen had told me to make the calls while at school, but I couldn't stop the notes from tumbling out of my throat and mind. I didn't have the same amount of control that she had. See? cried human Kevin. He stomped down on my back. I heard all the small plates crack as I whimpered in distress. My keening grew louder and the air in my mind. The bugs aren't so tough. Reaching down, the human can grabbed two of my claws. I tried to call up again and protect myself like mother had told me to do. But I couldn't. The human can was so much larger. I was only the size of the animals they call cats. The humans lifted those creatures from the ground all the time. Human Ken roughly turned me in his hands and leered at me. He grinned and displayed his teeth. I whimpered. It looked like he was going to try and take a bite out of me. Let me go, I whispered, making sure that I was moving my vocal cords and not the words of my mind. The human Ken laughed and tossed me up away from himself and the ground. Tumbling through the air, I tried to snap my wings out. But I had only just started to grow them out. The heavier gravity of Earth, even the Queen had difficulty taking to the air. The human mark grabbed me out of the air by the pedipulp. It was the last part of my body that still had old skin on it. With his rough grip in heavy gravity, he tore the skin off, and I fell roughly to the ground. Immediately, I curled up on myself, trying in vain to lock the plates back and together again. If I could do that, unharmed humans wouldn't be able to harm me. A roughly exposed pedipulp throbbed in pain, and I let out a shriek through my mind. The queen responded she sent a brief image of herself moving away from the table of humans she was at. Ew, what the heck is this? The human mark said. He dropped the skin in front of me and stomped his foot down on it, making the old skin crunch. It's shedding, said the human Ken. He stooped down and examined my skin, his face contorted with disgust and poked at my finger. My dad told me about this. They got an armored skin. If you want to hurt them, you've got to peel it off first. They've got natural armor. The human Ken snapped his eyes to me. We can peel a few layers off of it off. It'll feel that. I'll bet that none of the stuff that we've done to it yet has hurt. I flipped myself onto my claws and I tried to run from them. He was talking about the warriors. They had many layers of protective armor on their bodies. They were the ones who were supposed to fight. I only had enough layers to protect myself from the environment. And after molting, if they forcefully removed another, the human can grabbed my back claw, nearly wrenching it off the socket. Jerk! shouted another human voice. I moved my eyes up in time to see another human. It was a male like the two attacking me, but its aggression wasn't focused on me. The human male, who was smaller than both of my attackers, rocketed over me, ramming his bulk into the human can like a warrior would ramming a barrier. Both humans collapsed on the ground, keeping one stalked eye on the two humans. I ran towards the closest wall and quickly scaled it. 
Unimpeded, I quickly crawled up seven meters into the roof of the school. Looking down from my perch, I watched the humans. Human Ken and the other human on the ground beneath him pinned him with his great mass. Able to take stock of the situation from a safe distance, I looked at the third human. It was Human Henry. The teaching human had paired me with him during class. Human Henry had tolerated me, and he had completed the task that the teaching human had assigned to demonstrate learning. Bug lover, growled Human Ken. He slammed his fist down onto the Human Henry's face. Human Henry struggled and brought up his own hand and slammed it into Human Ken's chest. She didn't kill anyone, shouted Henry. I was so intent on watching the two humans fight that I didn't notice the rock until it flew past me and hit the roof. Following the trajectory, I saw that Human Mark was glaring at me from the ground, another rock in his hand. Come back down here. I narrowed my stalk eyes and him and knelt on the roof, folding my claws beneath me, minimizing my size. My plates would be able to deflect the small projectiles, the building covering my vulnerable underside. What do you think you're doing? shouted another human. I and the smaller humans below all turned to the human school mother, burst out of the building. Her hair was no longer bound to her head. Instead, it streamed back and moved towards the humans struggling on the dirt. Human Ken stood while Mark dropped the rock that he was holding, and Henry remained on the ground wincing and muttering in pain as he brought his hand up to his face. The human school mother walked right up to Henry, and she was only slightly taller than him. Her age and subspecies did not grow very large. The human Henry still cowed under her gaze. They were pulling desert, muttered human Henry as he slowly sat up. His face was colored black in places and by otherwise looked unharmed. His soft chitin hadn't been breached. He pointed up to where I was still up on the school nest. The human school mother's face went pale and she quickly turned to look at me. Desert, are you alright? She asked in her voice shaking. Unfurling myself, I moved to the edge of the school nest. I am fine. No permanent damage was inflicted. Napping my wings out, I jumped. The human school mother let out a yelp as I leapt into the air. No! The human Henry grabbed the human school mother's waist and making her pause before she would move and try to catch me. She can land on her own. Hitting the ground, I folded my wings back under the place and shifted to look at human school mother. She leaned down towards me. We need to contact your, um... Your mother, the diplomats, the parents of the children who were doing this, I can assure you that they are not going to go unpunished, but this is a delicate situation. Do you understand Nahan Tezit? Nahalina Tezit, corrected human Henry. I cocked my head to the side and shifted my wings to indicate understanding. Human Henry caught my gesture and translated a moment before I did. She just nodded, he said. Yes, human school mother, the queen has already been contacted, I reiterated. She turned pale, her fluids moving away from her face. Already? She didn't finish her sentence as the hum of an aggravated field suddenly dominated the air. All three of us glanced up to see a light cruiser, still glowing from its entry into the atmosphere, screaming through the sky directly above the school nest. Alarms began to sound, even as the vessel slowed to hover above us. The humans had described our vessels as oblong eggs, Compared to the rough geometrical shapes of their own vessels, I had always thought our ships were more aesthetically pleasing. Then again, they were required to move in and out of the atmosphere, unlike the human vessels. Several bright red-yellow flashes around the cruiser heralded the incoming teleportation of the human atmospheric fighters. I sent a quick questioning thought to the Queen. She ignored it, 
her own mind focused on dealing with several humans who were now yelling at her in the room where she had only minutes ago been peacefully speaking with them. She sent an image of fear in her eyes. A fearful human was a dangerous human. The expression matched the one this human school mother had on her own face. The bottom of the cruiser opened and several forms quickly detached themselves from it. Seeing through the eyes of the warriors as they dropped, I directed them to land behind me, away from the humans. The thickly armored warriors adjusted their trajectories moments before hitting the ground. The cruiser had actively fired the engines to retain speed as it entered the atmosphere, ablating away most of its armor in the process. They had jumped so low that my order to redirect they couldn't slow themselves. The warriors, each of them nearly a thousand kilograms by the human method of weight measurement and just over two meters in height, hit the thin artificial rock behind me. The surface cracked and splintered away. The human school mother let out a shriek and stumbled backwards away from me. Losing her balance, she collapsed backwards, her unstable two legs giving out. Human Henry also let out a shout of surprise, taking several steps back. He twisted his body to run. His eyes locked on the warriors. I huddled down towards the ground, issuing an order to the warriors to wait as well. Closing my eyes, I tried to suppress the image of human Henry's terror. The terror of the warriors and the Tahiri are once again upon the earth. Shaking off the feeling of the human teleportation transport, I clicked my wings in irritation as Representative Bai continued to talk. I mean, by your own admission, this was an act of children. We can understand why you did this, but the response needs to be proportional. Ignoring the human, I continued moving down the path towards the entrance of the school. Human teachers, who had looked in our direction at the teleportation completed and away from the cruiser in the air, rooted in the spot as I moved towards them. Bye, growled Major John as he kept pace with my head. I mean, this broke nearly all the protocols we laid down. Bye, repeated Major John. What? Shouldn't we be escorting the queen to her daughter? I wiggled an eye, stalk at the human in appreciation. He was one of the few humans I liked. The politicians treated me as if I was human. The warriors simply provided information when I needed it and tried to think like me. He needed to do so if he ever felt like he needed to defend his planet from us again. I apologize for breaking protocols. My daughter felt that she was in danger, and I reacted. Tilting the stalk up at the ship that was still hovering above, I sent a thought to the commander. He lowered the inhibitor fields and I paused as Major John opened the door to the school for me. The inhibitor field is down, you may teleport the ship if you are distressed. The engines are still cooling and it will not be able to climb back into orbit for another three hours. Major John raised an eyebrow and nodded. I'll pass it along. I don't think that we'll need to do that though. Do you, Bye? The other human at the back shook his head to his side. The glow from the eyes had denoted his implants had been actively cleared. Nah, no more than three hours. There is some panic right now, but uh, civil protection hasn't reported any rioting. I waved my eye stalk at the human and granted access to the building by Major John. I listened to the stream of thoughts that Tazit was sending in my direction. Following them, I moved through the halls of the school building towards her. Humans, young and adult, both looked out like a classroom as I stormed past them, sparing a stalked eye in their direction. I watched as most of the adults recoiled away from me, and about half of the young, the other half of the young looked at me with eyes of confused curiosity. They were human, but they looked in the eyes was identical to Tezzet's. Reaching the room where I knew Tezzet was, I carefully raised a claw up to the handle and opened the door. An older-looking human teacher glanced up at me and flecked a small yelp. 
She stood up with her eyes shot to warriors who were standing at the center of the room around Tezit and a human child that had purple coloring on his one side of his face. Both looked up from the holographic sphere in between the two of them and sent a quick thought to the warriors, superseding Tezit and ordered them to stand aside. One warrior hesitated and the one behind the human child who Tezit was directing to protect. She fought with me for a moment before nervously shifting her wings and releasing Taihi. The warrior moved away, heeding my order. The human child looked over me and grinned. Is this your mom? Tezid bobbed her head up and down, an approximation of a human gesture. She is my mom. You're going to get that big. Eventually, the human child stood up and put both his wrists on his head, keeping his hands pointed up towards the seating. Carefully, he lowered one towards his face and tried to bend the other back towards his head. Hello, I'm Henry. I blinked, unsure what the child was doing. Henry, he grimaced as he glanced back at Tezit. Did I mess it up? Tezit wobbled. No, but they don't really look like eye stalks. The movement would have been a standard greeting if the human had eye stalks. He had been trying to say hello with his meaty claws. Raising a claw from the ground, I extended it towards the human child. Their standard greeting. Hello, I am Queen. The child's smile returned. He carefully took the claw with both his hands and shook. Represented by and Major John both entered the room in time to see the child releasing my claw. What? Spluttered by, Major John raised an eyebrows at me. It was the first time I had shook hands with a human if I thought about it. It was impolite for anyone to touch the Queen, but uh, Henry had tried to greet me appropriately first. Major John turned to the very nervous human teacher. Mrs. Prince, we've all been briefed on what happened here, but could you tell us in your own words? I turned an eye stalk towards the teacher, and she nervously fidgeted, her eyes moving between me and Major John. Well, I, uh, I only caught the tail end of it. Ken and Mark were bullying Tezit, calling her what we're not supposed to call a tei, trying to step on her and stuff, said Henry. The humans in the room all focused on him. I hadn't moved most of my eyes from him. They threatened to peel off her armor. I don't actually know if they could have done that, but I've tried getting them to stop before and they've always just pushed me around when I do so. So, um, uh, Henry scratched his head for a moment. I kind of just tackled them. Dad always said the element of surprise is the best thing to have in battle. Tezit went up to the roof and Mrs. Prince stopped Ken and Mark. Henry turned to look out the window. Then the cruiser came and the soldier Tehi jumped out. That was cool. Mrs. Prince cleared her throat. That's the same thing he told me. She glanced at the warriors. The two other boys are in principal's office at the moment. I tried to convince Henry here to see the nurse, but uh, I'm fine, said Henry. Major John took several steps towards the human child and knelt. He grinned and tapped the side of his face. You got quite the shiner. Henry touched the purple spot on his face and shrugged. It's fine. The day he wouldn't let me get near him or Tezit, said Mrs. Prince. I turned my eyes talk towards Tezit, who immediately hunkered down with wings and still only a single eye on me. Representative Bai stepped in between us. Queen, we're going to need your assurance that nothing is going to happen to the boys who did this. They'll be punished for their aggression towards your daughter, Baia. Representative Bai, I cut the human off. I have no intention of harming children. Poor decision-making is common denominator in both species. Tezit seemed to shrink even more, her eye stalks falling in sequence until one was looking up at me. You sent the cruiser, she whispered. I did, which was an error on my part. Why was the warrior not allowed to human prince to treat Henry? She shifted underneath a gaze and Henry laid out a breath. I'm fine, he repeated. He said that he was uninjured and that he was protecting me. Mrs. Prince wanted to take him away.
I moved my eye to all the human teacher. She nervously swallowed. Did the warriors harm you, threaten you in any way? She shook her head. No, they just wouldn't move. Human school mother is nice. I would not have harmed her, said Tezzet. I ruffled my wings in irritation. At least you had some sense. You, however, are not human, and in the school, you are not in charge. You are learning from the humans and must follow their rules. That means that human teachers are the ones who give commands. I'll lead towards her. Which means... Tezzet shifted again, not saying anything. Henry stepped over her and put a hand on the back of her wings. Tezzet shifted then and moved only an eye stalk to look at him. I should have let human school mother treat his injury. You should also apologize to her for threatening her with warriors, even if you had no intention of harming her. Humans have very valid reasons to fear us. Tezzet moved another eye stalk towards the teacher. I'm sorry for scaring you, Mrs. Prince. Mrs. Prince quickly nodded. You're forgiven. Moving back from her, I looked back at the two human representatives. Is this matter resolved? Major John inclined his head. I believe so. Representative Bai frowned. We still need to smooth most of this over. You're going to have to draft up a speech or response that we can disseminate. I twitched my wings in agitation, but he was correct. All the Tehi and Sol were already aware, but the humans did not have the same luxury as near-instant communication. Their technology was bridging the gap, but their militaries kept most things secret. I will do so. Queen, said Tezzet. I moved my stalk back to her. Tezzet, I want Henry to be my first deaf. I slowly moved all my eyes to her, stunned for a moment at her request. I had no right to deny her request, but then he was a human. I had no dominion over him, and I wasn't sure how the humans in general and how Henry would react. Tezzet, I cannot deny you, but Henry is a child. We will need to consult his parents, and he is human. Tezzet poked up and she partially unfolded her wings in excitement. I know he's human. Deaf? Asked Representative Bai. I thought for a moment, trying to translate the meaning into a human language. She wishes for Henry to marry, I think that is the correct word. The room was silent. Henry glanced at Tezzet and scrunched up his face. Married? I haven't even kissed a girl before. Shaking away the feeling of the teleportation, I quickly focused on the slight bug in front of me. She was instantly identifiable as a queen. She'd been on enough broadcasts for me to pick her out. Small compared to one of the warriors in the corner of the room who was a tank of a biped. She was still nearly twice my size. Greetings, father of Henry, said the queen. I licked my lips. Hello. A small form in front of the queen wiggled and I glanced down at it. Henry broke away from me and ran forwards towards the queen as a smaller version of her did the same. That had to be Tezzet. Henry, said Tezzet. Henry dashed forwards and slapped his hand to the claw Tezzet raised to meet his. Tezzet. Or, Henry smiled. Tezzet waved an ice stalk and her hand around. Henry quickly looked away from his friend, eyes moving around the ship taking it all in. I flicked my eyes to both sides taking it in as well. The bug ships weren't organic, but they did have a more natural feel to them than anything humanity had ever built. Rounded corners and soft lighting permeated it, a stark contrast to the sharp edges and the bright lights of the human vessels. Still, the underlying logic looked the same. In one corridor, I could see it perfectly straight with the panels for easy access on the walls, the lip for the bulkhead door clearly visible at the floor. The color scheme was skewed and more towards shades of brown and blue, but otherwise almost like a human ship. Dad, say hi, said Henry. I blinked and glanced down. Right. I turned my eyes back to the queen and raised a hand. Hello, I... I swallowed and I shook my head. 
Vi gave me something to say, but I cannot for the life of me remember it. The large bug shifted and extended a claw. I closed my eyes for a moment, suppressing the other claws like that that I had seen. I took it lightly and shook. If you have forgotten the prepared words from Vi already, then reason enough for me to like you, said the queen, her voice in a low rumble, but still almost identical to the voice of a woman. The bugs could emulate our speech and sounds far better than we could make with clicks and songs. I'm going to show Henry the ship. Can I do that, queen? asked Tezzet. The queen shifted and moved her eyes to look at me. Can they? I promise they'll be in no danger. I nodded. Yes, Henry, behave. Henry scoffed. I'm not going to break things. Can we see the cannon first? It's this way. Tezzet scurried off across the metal plating towards the bulkhead door to the right. Another bug standing near it opened the thing just in time for the two to jump through it and into the bowels of the ship. I felt my stomach clench into a small knot of fear as Henry disappeared. Blinking, I brought back a small display of my combat implant, showing me the ship from his view and I ran through it. He had agreed to openly broadcast from his eyes while he was on the ship. Putting the screen up in the corner of my vision, I pulled at the tie around my neck, loosening it slightly. The queen's wings shifted around, and she pointed a claw at another door. Although we could speak in there, I have human furnishings and refreshments available. I nodded. All right, that, um, that sounds good. Another bug opened the door, and the queen slowly moved towards the entrance. Following her, I looked around the room. A few chairs were set up and around a large table that was laden with food, all of it candy and junk food variety. Cakes, sealed packages of chips, cookies, and other things. The queen moved into the room and settled her bulk down onto a small pedestal. She straightened up slightly, exposing some of her vulnerable underside, freeing an additional two pairs of claws to manipulate things around her rather than walk with. Tezzet informed me that these foods are your son's favorites. You raised him. I thought that you would have a similar palate. I chuckled. That explains it then. Reaching down to the table, I picked up a small candy bar out of the stack that was nearly a meter tall. These types of things were my favorite when I was his age. They're unhealthy, but enjoyable. Pulling back the wrapper, I took a bite and glanced at a chair next to the queen. I could sit anywhere around the table. There were more than enough chairs, and she was tall enough that even with the stack of sweets, we could be able to see one another. Oh, then would you like me to procure something else? Your government has furnished me with the use of a teleporter. I can request something more appropriate. I shook my head and taking another bite of the chocolate steeled myself and pulled the chair out from the table directly beside her. We sat in silence for several minutes. I took another bite. The queen twitched every so often. In the corner of my vision I watched Henry and Tezzet as they entered a large chamber of the ship. Wires and control panels covered every surface. The bugs in the room, several of whom were of the walls, all turned to look at the two smaller creatures. Human children have two parents, don't they? asked the queen. I glanced up at the bug. Her eyes were twitching from side to side, focusing on me. His mother died a week after he was born. The Battle of OKC. I took another bite of chocolate. The queen said nothing for several minutes again. I took a deep breath in. What does being a deaf mean? Representative by tells me it's the first translation of marriage is incorrect. Describe what it means. I'm assuming your daughter isn't asking my son to lose his hearing. The queen let out a low warble. I wasn't sure how to interpret it, but it sounded like a chuckle of sorts. If he were a Taihi, that would mean an accurate in a sense. The deaf are those whom the young queen will cut away from herself, members of the hive who can no longer hear her well. Only her words. They are the strong and the wise. They become advisors for her for life. I frowned and looked up at her again. 
The queen's eyes were still on me, and she was slowly collecting her stalks into two groups, almost like she was trying to approximate a human gaze. They're not part of the hive. No. I took another bite of the chocolate. Why cut them out from it? If the queen needs advisors, wouldn't it be better to be able to read their minds? The queen shifted, her wings twitched. We do not read minds. Those in the hive are an extension of us and a separate part at the same time. Every day he of the hive is me, but still independent. Should this body in front of you die, they would still live as a whole, but diminished. She twitched and reached out and took a chocolate bar from the table. Considering it only for a moment, the queen shoved the entire thing into a maw, wrapper and all. Humans lord their individuality. Can you not see the advantage of a death? I only had to think for a moment. Different perspective. The queen chirped. Exactly. Queens long ago, before we took to the stars, had no death. To understand aliens, we needed different perspectives. My eyes widened. There are other alien species. The queen ruffled the wings again. None that are still alive. We could not understand them. Most were like what we had gone long ago. Hive-centric, uncompromising, expansionist, unfeeding. We have just to destroy them all. You are the first not like that. But instead, you are all deaf to one another. I am still trying to understand how you function. I chuckled and crammed the rest of the chocolate in my mouth. If you ever answer that question, tell us. We're still trying to figure that one out ourselves. The queen took another chocolate bar and ate it. I leaned back in the chair. I can't speak for my son. I want uh, I want him to have nothing to do with you. I want him to hate your bugs for the same reason I do. I took a breath. But he never knew his mother, never knew about the war. To him, it's history. I heard a shift. It's the same with my daughter. She's young, but at times she knows more than I do. I smiled. Children have a way of doing that. I opened my eyes and looked at the queen. If all your daughter wants is a human advisor, I won't say no. But in the same breath, my son is still human and he's still growing up, changing, learning. I'm responsible for him, but I can't make decisions for his entire life. The queen slowly leaned down towards the table. I watched as she settled some of her bulk onto it. She moved her eyes away in front towards the food. I also cannot make a decision for the future queen. I can guide, direct, but she is the one who is deaf and not. I can influence, but not order. I looked at the image in the corner of my vision again. Henry was looking back at Tezzet on the reflection of the panel beside him. I could see the wide grin on his face as he spoke to her about something. Let's have the two of them figure it out. You and I, we're too scared and set in our ways, don't you think? The queen shifted her eyes to me. Slowly, she moved it up and down. I suppose so. You would not object to your son being a deaf then. So long as he's not forced into anything. I might not like it, but he doesn't see your daughter as a bug. The queen straightened. Nor does my daughter see your son as a human, I think. I picked up another bar of chocolate. Breaking it in half, I held out half to the queen. The queen carefully took it from my hands. I considered saying something, but instead I turned to focus back on the small image in the corner of my vision, watching as the future unfolded. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.